0: good to be with you this morning. Um, excited to preach today uh, the, the first message uh, in our open hand series. And um, this front row here is really can't figure out offering, but well, you guys, will, I, I believe in you. You can do this. It, maybe an award for best offering row would go to you guys. Okay. Um, you just pass it. You just pass the bucket. The thing is, if you hold on to it, it stops. Okay. All right. Um, Reset, so excited to be with you this morning uh, to preach this first message in this open hand series. I'm Pastor Jake, uh, the lead pastor here. Uh, if you are new, I'd love to uh, meet you on your way out. I'll be at the door. Um, I did hear that you had some pretty interesting guest speakers the last five weeks. So I'm sorry I missed that. Um, no, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Uh, but I did, get, I did receive this from... Uh, A life group, the the elder Westerfield life group, they came first service and said they thought that, you know, they sensed some confliction in me, some, you know, some problems, uh, some identity crisis, and so they gave me this. Um, (laughs) So just, you know, it says Jake on it, just in case I was confused about who I was today. So I appreciated that. Um, I did think about wearing it. I decided against it, okay? So I didn't. If you have your Bible, uh, you can grab it, head over to Matthew chapter 18 and Psalm 145. But before we get into the open hands series today, I want to touch base with you on what the Lord is doing in and through Great Oaks and some plans we have going forward. Um, We tried to get the word out that today we would be making an announcement. How many of you got that word that we're going to be talking? Okay, so that's what I want to do here for a couple of minutes and then um, we'll jump into the word and allow God to speak to us. How many of you are excited about what God is doing through Great Oaks um, lately? Isn't it awesome to see what God is doing? We had the most people we've ever had ever in the history of our church on Easter Sunday, 1,250 people. That was amazing. We had more kids than we've ever had in any regular Sunday two weeks ago. Um, And so that was awesome. And also two weeks ago, we had more visiting kids, guest kids, uh, than we had on Easter uh, this year. So that's kind of weird, right? It means that new families are coming in and bringing their kids and maybe even kids are being the evangelists at their schools and getting their friends here. So that's really awesome. We're seeing life change happen over and over and over. How many of you would say that you've experienced life change as a result because of God, as a result of ministries that happen here at Great Oaks. Has anybody experienced life change? I'm going to give you another chance, okay? So um, any life change, anything, challenged by something, Your kid gave their lives to Jesus and got baptized. You gave your life to Jesus and got baptized. You grew in your faith. Could be this last week, could be 20 years ago because we've been around about 20 years now, right? How many of you, you guys ready? How many of you have experienced life change through the ministries at Great Oaks? Anybody? Yeah, look around. Like, that's awesome, right? That's awesome. You wouldn't lie in church, so it must be true, We've just finished that Take 5 series. The Lord used it in mighty ways. It's awesome to be a part of what God is doing at Great Oaks, isn't it? But I don't think he's done. I don't think this is it. And all that God has used Great Oaks to accomplish in your life, whether it was last week or 10 years ago or whatever, he wants that to continue through you, doesn't he? It's not supposed to stop at you. His goal is not to get his love, grace, truth of his gospel, blessing to you. His goal is to get his love, grace, truth of the gospel, his blessing through you, right? There's a difference. If you live life with the bent that God is giving you everything and it's just getting to you, then you'll never allow it through you, right? And so I shared the vision the Lord's given me in our leadership to a group of about 100 people in leadership positions within our church two weeks ago. Your life group leader was there, so feel free to to talk with them about that night. But you can also go to this website. It's greatoaks.church slash 10 and 10. It'll be up on the screen as I'm talking through this, greatoaks.church slash 10 and 10. You'll see FAQs. You'll be able to watch a couple videos, get much more information. And we'll be sharing in more detail in the next few months um, what what God is doing, and, and we'll be sharing in smaller groups and vision gatherings uh, so that you can ask questions and things like that, but I wanted you to know the basics uh, so that we can uh, we can get you praying and you can decide how God wants you to be a part of this vision so today i'm just going to give you a quick snapshot a couple minutes uh the tiny or the bit of the why i 'm sorry i'm going to tell you the why tell you the why, and then a tiny bit of uh Let me say that again. I'm gonna tell you the what and the tiny bit of the why and write down that website and you can get go to it after service. Not right now. I saw some heads go down, so not right now. Um, and you can look at it and ask us any questions you have. So the vision God has given us, it's not small, it's not easy, but here's what I've known, I know from, from my own experience with God, is that uh, anytime He gives you a vision, it always requires more than just you to accomplish, right? In fact, that's one of the ways you can know uh, if God is really speaking to you. If He gives you this big thing to do, uh, if you can accomplish it in your own power, how many of you 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 know, it's probably not from God, right? Uh, Probably something you could just do. Uh, But when he gives you a life mission and a vision, you're going to need the power of his Holy Spirit uh, to do this. And so this is not a small one, but we're calling uh, this vision 10 and 10. Everybody say 10 and 10. For the glory of God and, and the sake of those who don't know Jesus yet, we believe God is calling us to make it our goal to have 10 Great Oaks campuses In 10 years 2018 through 2028 so God is calling us and really every church to to multiply to, to multiply to reach more people with his gospel it's not it's not about his gospel truth coming to us it's about it moving what through us there are a lot of ways to do this to multiply the church the main thing is that a church just does it that they step out and they begin to multiply in this way 80% of churches in America are declining or plateaued. Only 16% are growing. Only 4% have ever reproduced themselves, have ever planted a campus or a church or something like that. Only 4%. Even though this is the clear command of Christ and the clear mission he's given us as the church... I mean, had the church not multiplied in the book of Acts outside of Jerusalem and into Antioch and into Corinth and and into the rest of the world, you and I would still be in darkness, right? The only way the church, the only way the gospel gets to us is the church multiplies enough to where it reaches us. Is everybody tracking with me so far? Okay, let me give you a bit of an explanation and then you can go to that website and get more. We're talking about going to surrounding communities and planting a Great Oaks campus uh, in them, an extension of Great Oaks, a church, but one that will have the full backing, resources, leadership, and, and DNA of Great Oaks. A, a church, but one that is fully fully supported. Sundays will look a lot like they do here at this campus, and there'll be live worship. Uh, People who are at this campus will be led into the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, through worship. There'll be a first impressions team out front. There'll be kids ministry that is rocking. All that will be happening at this campus. We'll broadcast uh, the message via video live into these campuses. Uh, They'll have their own youth ministry and more. So that's what we're talking about to get to 10 in 10 years. To do that, we believe that God has given us this strategy, that our Germantown Hills campus, that's us, right? The Germantown Hills campus plants one campus every two years. And then every campus we plant, plants another campus every three years. I know I can tell by your face, you're like, oh gosh, do we have to do math at church? I didn't think. (laughs) I didn't think I was going to have to do math today, okay? Just trust me. If we do this, and even if we double up, we slow it down a bit, we double up when two of the new campuses are planting the same year, they work together to plant one campus. Even if we double up that way and slow down that way, the math comes out to 13 campuses in 10 years. If we never fail, if we hit every deadline, if there's no problems, we're at 13 in 10 years and 26 in 15 years if we continued So think about the families transformed. You just raised your hand to say, God, I've I've experienced some life change from God through the ministries at Great Oaks." So think about people. Think about kids giving their lives to Jesus and families going from darkness to life. Think about all of that happening at each of these places. The reason you're here, the reason I'm here, the reason any of us has been changed by the gospel is because those before us, took this seriously, the mission to multiply, to multiply God's church as fast as possible, to reach as many people as possible with the life-transforming truth of the gospel before Jesus returns. We were planted only 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago, by a church in Morton, Grace Church in Morton. They took this seriously. That's why you and I are in this building. That's why you and I have experienced the life change we have through the ministries at Great Oaks. Now it's our turn, right? Everybody say it's our turn, turn. but like, but more like your military battle, like ready to go to battle. Okay. You ready? Like it's our turn, right? Okay. You ready? Never mind. I don't trust you. You can't do it. You can't do it. I don't trust you. It's our turn. As a, as a staff and leadership team, we've uh, been working with a, a church consulting firm in the last few months to prepare, to learn what we need to learn. We're not, we're not jumping ahead. We're not talking about planting a campus next week. Uh, we're trying to gather all the information and get all of the wisdom we can possibly get to do this right. Uh, we're still in that process, but I can say a few things today uh, for sure. Number one, our target launch date for our second campus, this is our first campus, our second campus launch date is fall 2019, so it's not next week, it's next year, right? Fall of next year. Number two, the launch process, we've learned when done right, takes about 12 months lead time, so it's not just run and do it, it's 12 months of building teams and getting into that community and all of that, it takes about 12 months, right? Number three, we need a campus pastor, someone to lead this process from the beginning to the end through the launch and then pastor this campus. So we hope that person will be in place by the end of the summer. That would give them 12 months, right, before um, the launch date or the target launch date in the fall. And number four, we're still looking, still working out the details for for a specific community we want to launch in. Uh, But we have learned in this process that one of the most important things, one of the biggest factors in launching in a community is that you have people that are already coming from that community to Great Oaks right now so that they form kind of the core of your launch team to reach their own neighbor's wherever you're launching. Does that make sense? And so that's a huge factor that we have to, so it's not just pick something on a map five hours away or whatever. Like it's got to be, we got to have a team that's going to go there. Um, and so we're praying through four locations right now. We're open to whatever the Lord opens up. So we're praying through Washington as a location, Roanoke, Washburn, and Eureka. But remember, we're talking 10 in 10 years, right? So we're just praying through what the first one's going to be. Uh, so whatever you have a heart for, please tell us about it, and who knows, we might end up there uh, one day as the Lord leads, okay? All right, here's what I need you to do. Um, if, if Great Oaks is your church, like if you're a guest here at sorry, it's kind of a family meeting, but we're going to jump into the word here in a minute, okay? But if Great Oaks is your church, you'd say, this is my, my home church. Then number one, I want you to go to Ten and 10. I want you to read and watch everything there. This is big enough that I need everybody to read and watch all of that. Get for sure where we're going, what we're doing, ask questions. Number two, pray daily for this vision. Pray daily. Number three, spread the excitement and combat the, uh, the lies of the enemy along the way combat the lies of the enemy along the way, spread the excitement. Number four, serve. If you're just sitting on the sidelines, if you're just enjoying what we're, you know, you're just receiving, now's the time to get in the game, baby. We need you. Uh, We need you. Is it okay if I call you baby? (laughs) Now's the time. Now's the time, darling. (laughs) I'm from Texas. Sometimes people call people darling in Texas, okay? So uh, we need you. We need you to serve. Like get, off, get off the sidelines and, and begin to serve and then multiply yourself. Reach out to your neighbors, but also within the church. Say, hey, are you serving anywhere? Let me help you get plugged in. Serve and multiply. So this is happening. God's going God's to gonna have to do it, but I pray that you feel the Holy Spirit kind of drawing you into this vision to help, to give, to sacrifice so that others can experience the life-transforming truth of the gospel uh, like you have. Anytime you step out in faith like this, if you've ever stepped out in faith in your life, anytime you step out in faith like this, there will always be voices and people who come against you, right? Have you ever experienced that? In fact, another way to know whether it's God or not, (laughs) if you're stepping out and there is no... Nobody coming against you, I would question, like, maybe this isn't God, okay? Because usually when you step out, it requires God's power. You can't do it yourself, and, and the enemy comes against you, okay? It's not this whole popular mentality that if it's God, it'll happen, right? Oh, if it's God, it'll go smoothly. That's not in the Bible, okay? So, so that's not really what we're talking about. So the people will come against us. You have to be ready for that. There will be naysayers. There will. There, how many of you are naysayers? naysayer? I'm just kidding. Um, There will be naysayers. There will be negative Nancys. There will be, uh, I call them the no people. They just say no to whatever is stretching or out of their comfort zone, right? They just say no. So there there will be those people and you need to be ready for that. And then I just would encourage you, don't be that. I'm not talking about having questions and concerns. I expect that. I'm talking about actually coming against actively coming against what God would do through our church um, within this whole 10 in 10 vision. So even with questions and doubts and concerns, be a champion of this vision instead. Now, I don't really know how that's going to work, and I, I might have gone this way instead of that way, but we're reaching people for Jesus. Isn't this awesome? Like, let's go do it, right? I mean, that's the, that's the mentality that we need to have as Christ followers who care about a lost world. And so What's the worst that could happen, right? We go out, we try to reach 10 campuses in 10 years, and we, we end up planting five campuses in five years. And hundreds, if not thousands of people are presented the truth of the gospel and have a chance to give their lives to Jesus. That's a win, right? Everybody say, that's a win. Amen. We could hit this 10, and I believe God's gonna do it. I believe God's gonna do it as we live open-handed towards him. But I'm just saying, what's the worst that could happen, right? We reach some people for Jesus, and God, God does his will. So I know you have a lot of questions, but I'm going to give you a chance to respond. I just wanted to give you a, you know it's coming, okay? It's coming. I'm going to give you a chance to respond. You ready for a chance to respond? I just want you to know it's coming, okay? Because sometimes I sneak it in and you're like, ah, I missed it. I missed it. Missed the clap. Well, were we supposed to clap? Okay, so I'm going to give you a chance to respond. I know you have a lot of questions, but are you with me? Yeah. All right. Good, good. You guys are way better than first service. I didn't give them a chance. I didn't tell them ahead of time. That's why I paused there for a second. I snuck it in on them. I'd like every single person who calls Great Oaks their church home to go to greatoaks.church slash 10 and 10, watch the videos, read what's there, ask questions, and then please begin to pray. And let's start that right now. Let's pray together. Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray that you would bless this vision because it's from you. God, that our hearts would not be overcome with our own needs and our own selves and our own families but God you would give us vision outside of the little bubble we find ourselves in and um, Jesus said that you would move on the heart of every person in here who calls Great Oaks their home church God that they would that you would speak specifically right now drop it into their heart Holy Spirit what what they're supposed to do how they get involved not if they get involved but how they get involved to multiply your church we trust you. We can't do this without you. It's impossible. But what is impossible for man is possible for you, Jesus. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, let's jump into, I'm going to make a hard turn, jump into Open Hands, uh, our Open Hands series, uh, week one. And I'm excited about this series. going to be really good. I have uh, three kids, nine, four, and two. I'm pretty sure those are the ages. 9, 4, and 2. My middle kid uh, is a boy. His name is Joshua. The other two are girls. And uh, I, he's four. I love him. He's hes awesome. he He's just my joy. Like he, every day, he's super pumped when I get home. He's, you know, he just wants to play and wrestle and show me whatever he's got. And he's, he's so loving and so caring, uh, sweet, strong, smart, a lot of other things, right? Um, but if you have more than one kid, you know that they're That they're different, right? And I know that's like obvious, but it's surprising as a parent how different your kids can be, right? Have you ever been there? Like you're looking at your kids going like, I'm pretty sure I made you guys with the same recipe. (laughs) And you came out like way different. Like how did this, how did this happen, right? You're like one is totally into like science and math and the other one's like super creative and artsy and whatever. And one's super strong willed and the other one's like, eh right? And it's just like, wow, you guys are so different. And then sometimes there's that one kid, I think it's usually the middle kid, right? But it's, there's that one kid where you're just like, oh, gosh, I, where'd you come from, right? Like what? Like, mom, dad does not equal this, I guarantee it. Like, ah, how, where'd you get that? Like, I, you are so weird, right? You, where'd you come from? <laughs> like sometimes the way you think, it's the way you look. Like you look different. Like this is weird. You're, where'd you come from? I don't have that problem as far as the looking part goes. Because my kids, man, you can tell their mind from like a mile away, right? I pray that they'd look like their mom. I mean, who wouldn't? Have you seen her? I'm like, hopefully they'll get their mom's brains and their mom's looks and my their moms, Sorry, I just prayed for that, but they'll have to deal with what they got from me because that's the way it works. So I'm really sorry, Joshua. I'm really, I'm really sorry. Anyway, Joshua, he's my joy. They all are, but he's different than his sisters. One of the ways he's different is that he gets, he gets pretty wrapped up in his stuff, um, his toys, and not just, not just toys in a general sense, but Joshua, he will he will carry one toy around. He'll get like all into one toy every day, or it might last for days or weeks that he's into It, it could be a stuffed animal or a transformer or a, cool rock he found outside, or a paperclip. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, he just, whatever it is, he's all about it for a while, and he's into it. He'll carry it around with him. Like, he'll have it with him, have it in his pocket, have it in his hand. When he goes to bed or nap time, he puts it on his dresser so that right when he wakes up, he can grab that thing and go go back out. When we go uh, to, to lunch or whatever, he wants to take it with him in the car. Like, this is his thing he's got in his hand. It's always just one toy that he's all about, right? He'll carry it with them. And so if you want his heart, if you want Joshua's heart, you just give him something, all right? It doesn't have, to be just whatever's in your pocket. Like it doesn't, it doesn't have to be expensive. You just, McDonald's toy, you're like, hey, I got this for you. He's like, oh, look, this is awesome. It doesn't matter what it is. This is super cool. This stick is great. And so he'll, he'll carry it around. And he, that's, if you want his heart, you just give him something. Some kids, you give them toys, and then you don't ever see them play with it, right? You don't ever see, like, it's like not a big deal. They just t- toss it in, the, in a pile of toys. Not Joshua. He will hold on to that thing for days. And God made him unique from his sisters in this way. But if you have little kids, or you can remember when you had little kids, you know that there's, like, a bad backside to this story, right? Like, if you gather a bunch of two to six-year-olds together, like, I don't know why you would want to do that, but if you did, if you gathered a bunch of two to six-year-olds, like, you just wanted purgatory that day, and you're like, I'm just going to get some two to six-year-olds together. If you did that, what Parents, like mom, mom, dad, what are you saying over and over to this group of kids? You say it, it's on repeat, right? You don't even think about it. You just say, you guys need to share, share, right? You just need to share. You got to share. Share. Just share. I think my kid just punched your kid in the face. (laughs) It's okay. They just need to share. (laughs) All right? That's just the answer. It's a share, right? Like he's bleeding. Okay, well, share more. All right. You deserve it, okay? So it's just you just share, and so you say like, Billy, don't don't you need to share the blocks? Like, don't be a block tyrant, right? Like, be a, be free with the blocks. Like, let the blocks go, buddy. You can, come on, Billy. Don't they're mine? I, maybe, but you know if it's at your house and it's their toy, what do you say? You say it's gonna be here when the kids leave, right? Like, it's gonna still be here. You need to share, and don't you care about the kids? Don't you want them to be happy? No. Okay, well, that's later, but give me that block, right? And if they go into pre-K or kindergarten, this is like a skill we want your kids to learn, right? They want your kids to learn how to share. It's kind of a big deal. So Joshua, bless his heart, he can sometimes, as a four-year-old little boy, struggle to share. He can kind of flip out when someone takes that one toy that he's all about that day or that week or whatever, he can struggle to share. So I try to teach him, hey, bud, it's going to be okay. Like, it's no big deal. Like, he's like hyperventilating. I'm like, just calm down. But it's a, like, it's don't you want them to be happy? No. Okay. So <laughs> let's try something different. Like, so, uh, you have to, I don't want to. Okay. Uh, you know, you you're gonna have this when they leave. Like, I'll get you ice cream. I mean, I don't know. Like, just I I'm not above bribery. Like, I will bribe my kids to act right. And so I, I'm like, hey, you gotta come on, bud, you can do this. And I'm trying to get them to understand that that there's more than just this one thing. That there's no lack of toys in our house, that there are toys in the toy bin, that there's no lack of fun in our house, that there's no lack of things to do in our house, that the the toy that he's holding on to with clenched fists, that it will not bring him the greatest joy, and that there's more for him out there. This isn't it, it's just a small fraction of what's available to him. And really it's every kid, right, all three of mine, sharing is a thing we talk about all the time. Anybody have a kid that um, that didn't have to learn how to share? Anybody? Okay, because if you raise your hand, I was gonna yell liar. All right, that's what I was gonna. I was so ready for that. All right, no. Like I don't care how awesome you think your kid is, <laughs> that he like does calculus at age three and knows seven languages by age seven, and he's gonna make it to the majors no problem. Yeah, like you just know that because he's two. Um, but. And, and I like, so I don't care how awesome he is or she is. They had to learn how to share, right? Like there's no kid that's born knowing how to share. And it doesn't come naturally to kids, to anybody. Because even you, you can't say, oh, I didn't have any problem sharing when I was a kid. I, I'm part of the sharer generation, right? Like we shared. No, it's not true. You had to learn this too. And it's more than just your stuff. I mean, I, to be honest, I think probably you need some help learning how to share your stuff. Um, we all do. But it's not just your stuff. It's, it's deeper than just your toys and your trinkets that you've got in your garage. It's deeper than that. You and I were born with this selfish, sinful tendency, this nature that struggles to share anything. Our tendency is to, to hoard resources, time, money, even things like joy, even our faith and and God's truth. Our tendency is to hold tight. It's our our nature and it's our culture, right? Our culture screams to us, hoard, gather, keep, hold, close your hands. Our default position is to live life with closed hands. It's not hard to see that. I mean, just think about how hard it is to give, but how easy it is to spend. Let's think about that. I mean, isn't it hard to give sometimes? When things are going really well, and you, you, like the cash is flowing, and things are great, and you've got margin and savings, and whatever, it's, it's hard to give. But what about when things are tight? Isn't it, isn't it more difficult to give then? Yeah. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to give. Think about your kids. I mean, they don't come out of the womb generous, giving, willing to share. They're born, we're born with a natural desire to close our hands, to close our hands to others and to close our hands to God. With our, with our stuff, everything, this is our tendency. And yet we'll see in this series that Christ followers are to live life with open hands. Open hands towards others and open hands towards God. With our stuff, our time, our faith, the truth of the gospel we've been given to steward with, with forgiveness and with grace. Everything in our lives, our nature, the culture, the world, the devil is all trying to get us to to close our fists, to clench our fists, to hold tightly to everything we're given. And yet God is calling us and expects us to open our hands in every way. There's this tension. And so, over the next four weeks, we're going to look at this from four different angles. We're going to talk about opening your hands in, in, in the area of your, of your money, being open-handed with, with our faith, being open-handed even in the, in the midst of trials and difficulties and valleys. But today I want to spend the rest of our time talking about being open-handed to God specifically. Now, this all starts with opening our hands towards God. And I'm really just, I'm really just going to make one point about this. And then I'm just going to include like an implication and a prayer just for free, okay? So no cost. So I'm just going to do a point and an implication and a prayer, and it's going to tie back to that point. Look at Matthew 18, starting in verse 21 with me. This is a parable that Jesus taught. It's used to talk about forgiveness and giving forgiveness, and it's great in that way, Uh, but I think there's something even deeper, a principle that goes beyond just forgiveness Verse 21 of Matthew 18 says, Then Peter came up and said to him, said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, "I, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Verse 23, here's the parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. This is like more money than you could ever make in your lifetime. Too much to pay back. No way he's going to pay this back. Verse 25, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him, and he forgave this huge debt. Verse 28, but when the same servant, the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii. This is like a couple days worth of work, not near as much as what he was forgiven. And seizing him, the other servant, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servant saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Verse 32, then his master summoned him, the first servant, and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, Jesus says, my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let me point out two verses within that really quick. I'm going to read them again. Verse 33 says this. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Should you not have given as you were given? Should you not have forgiven and shown mercy just like you were? Should? Shouldn't you give your stuff, everything that's given to you, shouldn't you also give that out to others? And then verse 35, Jesus sends this again by saying, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let me just, let me just throw out a bunch of scripture at you. And I think you'll get the theme as we go through this. Most of this will be on the screen and I'll run through them very quickly. First John 4, 19 and 21 says this, we love because he first loved us. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So based on Matthew 18, we're to show mercy because we've been shown mercy. And based on 1 John 4, we're to love because we have been what? Loved by God, right? Ephesians four thirty two. It it says, "Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you." Add forgiveness and kindness to this list, because God in Christ has been kind and forgiving. We are to be too. Do you understand? Are you see, in the, the the theme here within these first three, that that we give as God has given to us, we give. And we're expected to give what God gives to us. Now check out these. It's kind of a turn here. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Deuteronomy 10:14: behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Psalm 89, 11, the heavens are yours. The earth is also yours, God. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. In Exodus 19, God says, all the earth is mine. And Job 41, he says, who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is what? Mine, God says. And just in case you don't understand the concept of everything, if that's, you're struggling with that today. Psalm 95 says, In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands form the dry land. Seas, mountains, dry land. And he says in Psalm 50, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. Animals are all his. Psalm 74 says, Yours, God, is the day, yours also the night. Day and night, they're his. And just in case you're not sure what's exempted from this and what's included, Haggai chapter 2, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The money's his too. It's all his. And listen, God doesn't have to give this out, right? It's his. It's rightfully his. He made it. He could hold on to it. doesn't have to give it to us. We have done nothing to deserve anything from God. Nothing. Not one thing to deserve one thing from God. So he could hold on to this, right? He could clench his fist around it and not give it. But one more scripture I want you to see. Psalm 145 verse 16 says, You, God, open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. God doesn't have to give and yet he opens his hand to, to satisfy the desire of every living thing. So everything we have is God's. Tangible thing, things like house, car, paycheck, breath in our lungs, health, and intangible things like joy, our family, mercy, forgiveness, even the truth of the gospel, even willpower and abilities, it's all God's. You and I have done nothing to get what we have received from God. It's, it's, all, his. it's all his. It's all because of his open hands, towards us. The earth and all that is in it belong to the Lord. And judging by Matthew 18 and those other three verses we read right after that, we are expected to not only receive from God, but to take what we have received and give it out to others, right? Do you agree based on these passages of scripture? God owns it all and as we receive from God, we are also to give give to others, to God and to others. So all of these scriptures together make the one point I want, to, I want you to realize. We open our hands to God because he first opened his hands to us. Everything you have has been given to you from the open hands of God, so you don't really own any of it. It's all his. You're just managing it. Your family your opportunities your ability your time your money forgiveness mercy grace the truth of the gospel you're just managing it for God it's all his right listen beloved this is this is huge because if you live your life thinking that the source of all that you have is you then your tendency will be to worry and to hoard and to hold on to what you have. And to not live with an open hand towards God or anyone else. And when God calls you to do something, to step out in faith some way, you won't. Because you'll think, I can't do that. I can't pull that off. I don't have what I need. I don't think I have the abilities or the gifting for that. Instead of saying, God has all that I need. He has, there's no lack of gifting or ability in him, right? Right? If he's calling me to do this, then I'll be able to do it through his power. Maybe that's what you're thinking when it comes to this 10 and 10 vision that it's just too hard. Couldn't possibly help. You need maybe a mindset change there. And when God calls you to give, you'll think, I won't have enough. I won't be able to provide for my family. I got to hold it. I got to hold on to the source of all that I have is me. Therefore, if I give it out, I'm not going to have any more, right? Instead of thinking, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The the world and everything in it is his. There's a lack in the treasury of God. If he asks me to give, then he's going to provide. You see the difference? I don't think you're getting it. it. when things get tough, you lose a job, you get an unexpected bill. If, you don't, if you're not careful, if you don't get this, you'll think, I'm ruined. Where am I going to get what I need? How am I going to provide for my family? Instead of, God's got me. He has everything I need. He is my provider. The source of everything I have wasn't me to begin with. It was God. He hasn't changed. Doesn't matter what I go through. He's going to provide for me. Do you see the difference? We open our hands to God because he first opened his hands to us. The implication is this. To close your hands towards God is to believe that God has closed his hands towards you. To close your hands to God is to believe that he will not provide. He will not give. He will not take care of you. He will not open his hands to you. It's to believe there won't be enough. There won't be enough. So I've got to hold on to all that I have. I have to hoard. I have to gather. I have to keep it. Pile it up. Close my hands. I can't step out in faith because I don't believe God will take care of me. God is asking me to live open-handed and leave this location, this town, and do something for him. But I'm not going to do it because I don't believe that he's going to take care of me and my family if we move out of this place. I'm supposed to be open-handed with my location, but I'm not going to be because I don't trust God. God wants me to open my hands and to give him my bitterness, but I like my bitterness. And I'm not sure that God's going to take care of vengeance and justice and all of that in the end. So I'm going to hold on to my bitterness. I'll keep it. God wants me to open my hands and use my gifts to sing, teach, lead, stack chairs, or whatever. But I can't because I don't believe he's going to open his hands to me and give me the time, the ability, the knowledge, the courage to do it. I close my hands to God. Because deep down, I believe he has closed his hands to me. My, my son Joshua, he's, he's just my joy. I love him so much. He's taught me so much about myself because when I'm trying to get him to see that he can, he can relax his grip on that one toy he's all about, that he could... He could relax his grip, that that there's more out there for him, that that there's more than just this one thing, that I have more for him, that that clenching his fists around this toy will not give him the greatest joy when I'm saying all that. And then sometimes I'm moving to discipline him when he's not listening. When all that is happening, God's going, Jake, this is playing out like another story I know where I ask you to give me something to loosen your grip on what you have. And you go, no, I don't want to, God. This is mine. I want my time. I want my convenience. I want my money. I'm not going to give, no. I want my, and you, Jake, are like a four-year-old boy. This is very familiar to me. So, Jake, while Joshua's over there, in the corner, thinking about it, why don't you go to that corner and you think about it too? Maybe I'm the only one, but I think I'm still learning this. I think I'm still learning how to share. I think I'm still learning how to live with open hands to God. What are you unwilling to give to God? Is it your location? Is it your convenience? Your job? Your stuff? Your time? What is it? Maybe you need to go back to this truth that we open our hands to God because he first opened his hands to us. And the implication that to, to close your hands to God is to believe that he is closing his hands to you i mean is that what you believe that god has closed his hands to you that he won't or can't take care of you what's what's holding you back from opening your hands to him completely i want to leave you with a prayer to pray um Uh, An open hands prayer. We're gonna give you four of these to pray uh, throughout this series. So here's the first one. I encourage you to write it down, um, to, to pray it daily through the month of May and even after that.